BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to The Morning Toast. Happy Wednesday. It is hump day. Hope everyone's having an amazing Wednesday so far. Do not forget. I know it's easy to forget. Do not forget to hump someone you love. It is so imperative. Thank you for that reminder. I mean, Dew is here, so we're celebrating in style. And speaking of style, I'm switching it up today. You look lovely. Thank you so much. Well, it is so hot in New York. Like, there is a heat wave. It's disc- And it's rained, like, every afternoon because it gets so hot. It's, and you thought last night's rain was going to break the heat wave, but today it is still so hot it's going to get up to 90 today. So I was just like, you got to dress for the weather. And so I've just been really going into the back of my closet and trying to wear all of my clothes. Can I ask you something that like maybe you'll agree with me on? Sure. When you like show up somewhere like wearing something unusual like not unusual but different than like what your normal garb is and everyone's like wow don't you find that so rude like no 100% I was like nervous to walk in here today but I feel totally supported by everyone in the studio yeah for like this new look I actually thought when you came in because I did wear a dress yesterday and you like when I walked in you were like a dress and no, I'm like I didn't yeah you did you're like seem la no I didn't yes you did no, you said I- seem la it was just dress in Hebrew I didn't say that you both did yes you both did thank you my memory and I was like you know what I'm gonna support Jackie because like you know you sometimes it's like I always think of when Erica Jane rolled up in Berlin in that latex outfit and Teddy Mellencamp was like giving her shit for it do you know what's so crazy is I walked in here this morning and you said to me seem law yeah and I said you look so sweet right but like so yesterday I said to you seem law and you didn't feel supported you were like whoa and then you're saying that you're seem law <laughs> No, I'm not, I'm not trying to clown, like, I'm not trying to, like, bring you down. I'm just trying to say, like, I recognize, like, it's just a thing people do, and they're like, when you dress different, everyone, yeah. like, makes a thing of it. It's like, just leave me alone. Like, yeah, no, stop. Let me wear my Sima. Go away. No, this dress is really, like, not meant for New York City vibes, no. but just, like, this heat, it's, what are you supposed to fucking wear? No, we both look like we're going to the country club. We're just doing different activities. Yeah, like, no. I'm headed to the tennis court, I'm which, headed to LOL, lunch with the ladies. Which, in reality, like... If we ever were at a country club, like, yeah. I would be at lunch with the ladies. You would be at the tennis court. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully they have pickleball. Yeah. Um, wait, so we have such a good show today. It's Wednesday. It's hump day, which usually means a few things. One, it means we're humping Theo. Still happening. Do not worry. Second is we usually do Dear Toasters. We have decided to postpone today's Dear Toasters till tomorrow because we just did a Dear Toasters yesterday with Chelsea Handler, which was so iconic, and we're so glad everyone enjoyed that episode. And today's episode is already going to be extra long because we recorded a 
fabulous interview yesterday with someone who we admire so much. So much. Who we talk about all the time. All the time. Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, was here. He was so funny. I have to say, I think I was like most surprised by him out of all the guests we've ever had. He was so thoughtful. We had like a really interesting conversation. He talked so much about his wine company, which went public yesterday. Yeah. So he was just giving us like business tips and we tricks. Did we did our first ever wine tasting on the show, which was so interesting. I feel like we learned so much. And usually, I mean, I don't want to spoil what we drank and how it tasted, but I was really pleasantly surprised because those were not categories that I really venture into. And so he was in studio with us. We have the video up on our YouTube channel. It's also going to be at the end of the podcast. I really implore you to watch a YouTube video. He was being so funny. He wore this crazy fucking outfit and he's just very charismatic. And it was honestly one of my favorite interviews we've ever done. It really was. Like we came in with our questions, which we got to ask like all of them. But then also the conversation just took... He flipped the switch on us. No, like it just... When, you know, it's just a conversation. It was like 40 minutes. Yeah, so it was really interesting to talk to him. I think we had such a great conversation. Probably one of my favorite Toast interviews that we've done. And we just love having a shark up in the joint. We're now three. three. We've got three sharks. Barbara, Barbara Kevin. Kevin. Who's your next dream shark? Uh, I mean, like, if I went on the tank, I would really want Lori to invest in my deal. Or Mark. But who would you want to come on the toast? Lori. Lori. That yeah. would be a good one. Yeah, Lori also, I think out of all the sharks, like, has her social media game down. Pat. She like kills it on TikTok and stuff. So I like would just love that synergy. Yeah. I'd like to get Robert. You know not. how I feel about Robert. I know you're obsessed with him. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, and now it's changed. And I really feel like the more I watch Shark Tank, like the more that I did watch Shark Tank, you really come to appreciate Mr. Wonderful. And even yes. as he explained in the interview yesterday, it's like he's being kind and telling people to to go back to their day jobs. He was being so funny. So like, I really can appreciate that, but I like that Robert always makes the entrepreneur like feel special. Yeah, even but though- some people aren't special and they shouldn't think that they are. No, but so like, all people are special. Their companies aren't all special. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, so it's like, that's like in um, Younger, where she's like, why are you special? She's like, I know that I'm not. Yeah, right. And that's the right answer. Have you been keeping up with Younger? Nope. The season finale, I think it's on tonight. Series finale. There's oh, one wow. more episode. I'll get there Monday. Um, yeah, it's not anything pressing. <laughs> um, but that's our programming update. Our second tier toasters of the week, we're going to move to tomorrow so we can spread that out a little bit and you can just enjoy Mr. Wonderful today. So we have that. We have the Fast Five. We have Real Housewives of New York recap. And we're just like alive. Yeah, we are. We've got a lot to do. And I guess we should just get right to it. You think? I don't know. I thought that's where you were going. So I no, just, I just uh, so you like, just like threw back at me. I didn't really have anything to share. I you have, didn't like, do a anything on fun yesterday. Anything fabulous? No, I just like yesterday was the busiest day of my life. Like work, work, work. Meetings, meetings, meetings. And unfortunately, those types of days, while they're good for productivity, they're not great for this segment of the podcast. Oh, I understand. No, but it's good. It's good to see everyone getting back to work. Yeah, I did. Um, I did read some of our podcast reviews yesterday. I don't know what. Why? I don't know. I, that's one of those things like I just don't go towards for my own mental health. But something was just bringing me to it. And they honestly weren't terrible. Yeah. No, the, sometimes they're not terrible. And even sometimes when they're terrible, like maybe you could learn a thing or two. Like I've, I've seen a few things where it's like, no, yeah, you're onto something. Like, yeah, usually like if you usually the reviews are either five star or one star. Like one star, you're like a former disgruntled toaster. Like, you know. Yeah leaving a review just because you feel like it and five stars you're just like a normal but person or four threes where it's like okay it's actually valuable I, he I hear you I, I could see that I would say that our biggest like um valid critique is that like we, we talk about so much stuff like so many stories different industries and not always do we have a hundred percent of the facts and I'm here to say like that is valid but we are also like not encyclopedias like there's only so much information we, we can retain every day for a million different stories like so yes I 
I do, I feel that, mm-hmm. especially yesterday when I was talking about that Ellen interview that I had in a dream. It was a real interview. Okay, I think that, that that's fine that you were confused. Yeah, so like, <laughs> that's a valid um, critique, but like, what do we do about that? No, I, I see that and I hear that and I, I get it, but then it's like, okay, if I'm not fully in the know on a story, like, so we just shouldn't talk about it, but then it's like, we're not talking about stories that are happening. So I think that most people, when they read stories, like they got the gist of it. They don't know every single detail. So I think, I think it just, it depends, you know? And then the other critique, which is out of our control, but completely valid is the fast talking vocal fry. Um, because literally I watched our episode from yesterday and it was fine up until we started talking about Siesta Key. Jackie, it was, we did not take a breath. Like it was so fucking fast and I'm like, I see what people see. Okay, I'll, I could try to keep that in mind. I think I was probably talking quickly about Siesta Key. You were excited. Because like, then we needed to get to The Bachelor. Usually I talk fast when I feel like no one wants to hear what I'm saying. But we always want to hear what you're saying, okay. all the time. Well, speaking of Siesta Key, I'm caught up after oh. last night. I caught up, they're on the island. I need to talk about this island, like it's so sickening. They, the premise is that Sam JLo like booked the island for everyone, but like Kelsey's invited and has her own house. Like Sam JLo is not paying for that. MTV is. MTV is. They're there for a month. It's actually, it's exactly what I was saying needed to happen. Like we need them to be in a confined space, cameras everywhere. We won't miss a thing. So that's I'm, an innovative way to film during COVID. 100%. I'm so excited and I look forward to the next episode. I'm so glad Great. that I'm caught up on the key because these kids are crazy. You're keeping up with the key. I'm keeping up with the key for sure. Oh, and in bathing suit, the battle of the bathing suits. Which is the funniest storyline I think I've ever experienced in my life. So obviously these things were filmed six months ago. So I was like, let me see where the brands I, are at. Where the brands are at now. I checked out Juliet's, I checked out Kelsey's, saw how many followers each of them had. JMP has like better branding social. It, JMP has 80K by Kelsey Owens has 60K. Still good. And then I checked out the swimwear because I wanted to see what everyone was making. And I did not expect that anything would be for me because Kelsey and Juliet have extremely different bodies <laughs> than I do. But when I was checking out JMP the label, I found what I think is a bathing suit that will really suit me. She like sells her tops and bottoms separately. So there was a bottom that's like my high waist cut, which I like. Yeah. And then there was a top that looked like it could hold a big breast. Ooh. And so I was influenced and Did I purchased. I purchased. Wow. I'm Are really you... excited to share my updates. You must keep us abreast on the Battle of the Bikinis. I will keep you abreast on whether or not my breasts are kept into... are kept abreast. <laughs> are kept abreast by JMP the label. But I was re- like there were some really cute styles that I felt like I could squeeze myself into. That's great. Yeah. All right, please keep us abreast. I will keep you abreast. Um, okay, well, now I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable. Sliding into. It There's so much to discuss. Chris prem- Harrison. It felt too premature. There's so much to discuss. Claudia, you're going to be explaining some things to us today. There is so much YouTube drama, like, and I actually know about it this time. Oh, okay. Well, even your conjecture, we we enjoy. Yeah, but sometimes when there's YouTube drama and like it becomes like trending, I like learn about it once it becomes trending. But I've actually been following this podcast pretty frequently for the last like year, ever since I like became obsessed with TikTok because it's like a TikTok thing. Okay, great. So without further ado to do to do, where are you right here? Because it's hump day, hump someone you love. It is time for the fast five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. And today's episode is brought to you by Quince. Do you like the quality of designer clothes but don't like the prices? 
then you'll love Quince. How many times has a price tag stopped you from buying something you really wanted? Why does true quality cost so much? Well, now it's affordable at Quince. With Quince, you can imagine waking up one morning and everything you've wanted is half price. At Quince, that's not a dream, that's reality. Luxury products don't have to be expensive, but they're marked up eight to 10 times by retailers. Quince will connect you directly to the factories that make products for the world's leading luxury brands, so you get the highest quality products at an insanely low price. It's true, like you will die. When we went on the website, cashmere, bags, home stuff for the home beddings, it was bedding. It was actually crazy how reasonably priced it was compared to those luxury markups. And it's just fun to shop for things for your home, for yourself, treat yourself. At Quince, you'll find the finest apparel, cashmere, bags, bedding, accessories, and more at 50 to 80% less than what you'd pay for the same quality at the most expensive luxury brand products. They have washable silk loungewear and pajamas, Italian leather bags, 100% grade A Mongolian cashmere sweaters and sets, Belgian linen sheets. Their goods are incredibly high quality. They're made in a sustainable way and they are sold at radically lower prices. It is 100% factory direct, so there's no retail markups or middlemen. You can compare Quince products with any premium branded ones and you'll see why their customers rate Quince so highly. To get 50 to 80% off top of the line clothing and home goods, plus free shipping, text TMT to 64000. That's TMT, as in the morning toast, TMT, to 64000. Terms apply, available at onequince.com slash terms. Text TMT to 64000. Love it. Okay, first story, the big story of the day. Well, there's two today, but among The bigger one. The bigger one. Chris Harrison is leaving the Bachelor franchise for good after dramatic exit negotiations. It's official, Chris Harrison will never return to the Bachelor franchise. Harrison's departure comes following a media spectacle of a controversy that erupted when the longtime host made racially insensitive comments defending a contestant from the franchise. Numerous insiders tell Variety that Harrison wanted to stay with the hit franchise, which he has hosted since it premiered in 2002. Harrison is said to be very passionate about Bachelor Nation and was hoping to make it work to keep his job. But as the situation escalated, his, term became, his team became outraged with the dragging out process and was unhappy with the network and studio not publicly supporting Harrison since he has been with the show since the very beginning and is an integral part of its success. Within the past few days, Harrison's lawyer began to quickly explore an exit package, which we found out he got an eight-figure... Mid-range eight figures. Okay, but then I also saw he wanted $25 million. He did not get that. So oh. it's somewhere between $10 million and $25 the million. The initial variety, like press release, said mid-range eight, eight figures, figures, which the middle of eight figures is $50 million. So everyone was like shook. Then I read in Paychecks he wanted twenty-five. He didn't quite get that. So I'm thinking something like 15 to 20. I'm thinking that too. Which is nuts. Like, pay me $20 million not to work on a sinking ship? Okay. Like, oh my God, did Chris Harrison make out like a bandit or what? Like, and the, but, oh, by the way, I screenshotted this. I forgot. I don't know if I sent it to you. The ratings are in for, um, oh no, you didn't send for it to Katie me. Thurston's season. Ready? Okay. Premiere. I'm so curious. Let me give you some backstory. Please do. Rachel Lindsay's season, 5.7. Million? Becca, yes. Okay. Becca Kufrin, 5.6. Hannah Brown, 6.1. That was a high point for the franchise. Claire Crawley, 4.8. Tasha 5.1. Katie Thurston, 3.6. So that's... That's not good. That doesn't sound... That's 2 million less. It sounds like the chart went... There was a dip. And I think there are a lot of people in Bachelor Nation for some reason who, like, will fight a war for Chris Harrison. Like, some of the things I'm seeing online, people are just like, 
obsessed with him. And when these numbers came in, it hadn't been announced yet that Chris Harrison wasn't returning. And I actually think next week's numbers will be even lower. Like well, people standing in solidarity with Chris Harrison. Not or even whatever. that. Night one numbers are always higher. Like you yes, even watch yes. night one because people want to see what the season's about. Night one is always like they pull out all the stops. Let's talk. Let's let's look at the ratings mid-season when they start like really fucking pulling teeth. And, and even the fans of the show might skip those episodes. And I thought it was really interesting during like the very beginning of the episode. I checked to see how many followers Katie Thurston had. She had six hundred and twelve. Mm-hmm. Last night I checked, she had six hundred and thirty. It's like you see bigger Wait, she growth. She had six hundred and twelve before the episode premiered. Yes. That's not good. Yeah, so I just think it's indicative. Like, this franchise truly is a sinking ship. Yeah. And so, for Chris Harrison, I think, like, if if I were him, like, I would be very pleased with my situation. I'm very curious to see where we go from here because although the Tasha and Caitlyn thing is really fun, I don't think it's a permanent solution. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think the show is on its way out, it seems like, but it also seems like he would have rode with it till the end. He was there since the beginning. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure... And according to this article, if he had his way, he would be back on the show. Yes, and I think that a lot of the um, the reason why he got so much money is he's not allowed to ever speak on this scandal or anything that like went on beyond like the producers behind the scenes like ever again. And I'm sure if he wanted to, if he didn't get enough money, he could have written a book mm-hmm. or done an interview or got paid for something similar amount to just blow it all up. Like yeah. I'm sure there's a like really fucked up shit that goes on behind the scenes. Like if you think about the genesis of like everything Chris Harrison has witnessed, not even this like Rachel and Matt scandal, like Corinne since, and pa- since 2002, Corinne in Paradise. Like there's and they like glazed over a lot of what happened there. Like there's so many like fucked up things that go on behind Bachelor, Bachelor behind the scenes. Even I'm sure what went on behind the scenes here was even more fucked up with the whole Rachel and Matt thing. So he could have really blown it up, and I guess they just wanted him to shut up. Yeah. So they paid him. Yeah. And like when this show gets canceled inevitably in the next like three or four years, I really feel like that's true. Um, Like Chris Harrison's going to be like laughing with his $20 million. Yeah. And never having to work. Yeah. I wish someone would pay me mid-range eight figures not to work. I'm sure he's going to try and work again. Yeah. I mean, like the scandal has like really made him so Such famous. Such a name. And, and, like, I think everybody knew who Chris Harrison was, but now that we're all talking about Chris Harrison, it's like, oh, you know who he was, too? Like, you'll talk about it with someone random. It's like, how do you know who Chris Harrison is? Yeah, and, like, I feel like there's so many unfinished loose ends, like, things I have questions about. Like, it's so weird to me that, like, Chris Harrison is no longer on the franchise because of this big scandal that happened with Rachel Kirkconnell. And, like, Rachel Kirkconnell is, like, moving in with Matt. It just yeah. feels like... It just feels like I'm confused. Yeah, I agree. So, um, But it's nice to just know what's going on in the franchise, and I'm sure they could have kept being like, you know, the pause, the pause. Like, right, Obviously, he's not doing Bachelor in Paradise. I doubt he would be doing Michelle's season, and then it would just be more and more waiting. So now we know, and I'm sure they'll start looking to really fill the job permanently because I don't think these one-off characters are going to work. That was going to be my next question. Do you think there'll be like a like a new, like maybe Emmanuel Acho becomes the new I think of- that there should be. If they want stability, like I think that would get people excited if it was someone that people really like. Yeah. Or maybe it's a host that, that we don't know that well, so it's like their association is only The Bachelor still, just like how Chris Harrison only was did initially. The Bachelor. Yes. So I think that they can find someone great for the position. Yeah, I'm me sure, too. you know, a million girls would kill for that job. Literally. Mm-hmm. 
It'll be interesting to see who does get the job. Yeah, and if you're asking me who should get it, I think it should be the Snatchler. She's proven that she can talk about the Bachelor. She time can, and time again. Time and time again. So time time that's again. my pick. I think that's a really good one. Are you ready for our next story? Yes, I am. Trisha Paytas quits Frenemies podcast amid feud with Frenemy. Okay. YouTube sensation Trisha Paytas is stepping down from the popular weekly podcast Frenemies amid a disagreement over their conduct on the show. Please explain okay. what's going on. Trisha Paytas is a popular YouTuber. Yes. They've like had a very interesting career thus far, very messy, very scandalous. But Trisha has like really found this very um, like good project for her. She joined the Frenemies podcast, which is a podcast produced produced by H3 Productions. I need you to just keep up because it's like a weird family circle. Okay, okay. Okay. H3 Productions put together this podcast called Frenemies and hire Trisha as like the talent to host with this guy, Ethan, who owns H3 Productions. Okay. So it's like TNN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ethan is married to a woman named Hila. Okay. She's Israeli. I don't know. That doesn't matter. It just is a fun fact. So this podcast blew up and really did great things for Trisha's career because they've kind of always had this um, like salacious scandal like aura to Trisha's brand like it's always been just kind of messy but this podcast blew up Ethan blew up with it like Ethan was a popular YouTuber creator before but I think this podcast took them both to like a great level people were obsessed with this podcast like I never watched it but I've always seen like clips and I've always watched it's hysterical like Trisha's nuts they dress up in these insane costumes and talk about serious things it's very funny H3 produces it and on Monday oh one more small fact and then why people like love watching this journey for Trisha is because Trisha met a guy on H3, the podcast. He works for the podcast and it's Ela's sister, brother, sorry. <laughs> so Trisha and Ethan, the host of the podcast. Are he's each dating someone. They're siblings. Yeah. Ela's married. They have kids with Ethan and Trisha just got engaged. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of become this like beautiful thing. And they've like fought on the podcast before and like everyone always like freaks out because like the clips go viral. Trisha does struggle with BPD. She's, uh, they've been very open about um, their journey with mental health. Um, and so that's just the context that you need, okay? So on Monday, they did an episode and at the end of the episode, they do like a Dear Toasters, like a viewer advice. And Trisha says that they don't want to do this segment like they think it's stupid they think it's like tacky it's what people do when they don't have any more creative ideas and it kind of started this like very weird contentious conversation okay about money and about the show and how Ethan's like that's so mean like we all he he hires H3 Productions is his company Trisha gets hired as talent he was like we work really hard like putting all these segments together like that's like mean to say that you don't like our like advice segment and then Trisha's like well don't say you do everything and then Ethan's like, no, I, I mean, I, we do do everything, but that's not what I said. And the, Trisha's getting visibly upset, but then she keeps saying, like, I'm not upset, I'm not upset, I'm not upset. And so then Ethan's like, I feel like you're gaslighting me. Like, you're clearly upset. Like, let's just talk about it, you know? And then Trisha's like, you're gaslighting me, telling me how I'm feeling. So it's like, you're gaslighting, I'm gaslighting. Okay. The conversation gets very contentious, and they really start talking about money. It's actually really interesting to hear how they split up the money. The show's very successful. It's an H3 production. They split AdSense revenue, podcast revenue. On, it's a podcast and a YouTube show. I, I, I've heard we can that. Relate. <laughs> so they split it like 50-50, but they do take 5% from the overall thing for the production. H3. To pay um, all these employees yeah. who run the show. The employees being 
Trisha's fiance, Moses. Right. right. Moses. So Trisha's going on about how it's like not fair, how they don't deserve the five percent, like in front of the crew who's like literally working on the show. They're only asking for five percent. It's not a lot. So it gets very, very contentious. The episode's on Monday. Monday night, the, the I guess they also do like a vlog series. I've never seen it. The crew says. We don't want to do the vlog. Like, you were very rude to us, Trisha, like, saying how we don't deserve our 5%. So they kind of, like, go on strike. Tuesday, the episode drops to the public. They have, like, a Patreon. So, like, people get to see it first on Monday. It drops on Tuesday. Is it on Patreon? or is No, it- it's, like, a membership. I don't know what the okay. infrastructure Just is. Just always like to know what tools people are what using. What other creators are doing. Yeah. 100%. Tuesday, the episode drops. Boom, Trisha drops on her own channel a video, I'm leaving Frenemies. She said... You know, I'm, I'm, she said that, like, she's not going to apologize for how... Oh, sorry. Her pronouns are they, them. I'm really sorry. They said that they're not going to apologize for how um, they feel, but their delivery was wrong. And so I do believe the Frenemies community has sided with Ethan because also in this fight that was on air, it was very awkward to watch. Trisha said... Hila and Ethan just announced that they are having a baby. Mm-hmm. And I think it might be twins. Like, there was this whole announcement. And they made the episode last week, like, a lot about that. And Trisha was, was like, you know, you made the episode title pregnancy announcement, kind of like, you know, using me for clout, people thinking I'm pregnant. And it was just, like, not about Trisha at all. It was about, like, Ethan and, and Hila. And it just feels like this is what I think happened. No verification. I just think that they hired Trisha to be the star of the show. And they are, like... Trisha is insane. Like, she's talent oozing out of her pores. But the community, like, started to really love Ethan and fall in love with Ethan and Hila's love story. And, of course, everyone was, like, freaking out when they got pregnant. And I just think Trish was, like, I thought the show was about to, like, supposed to be about me. Like, he was very much supposed to be the captain of the ship and the serious one to kind of prop up Trish. But the, the fans, like, love both of them equally. And I just think there's been a lot of attention on Ethan and Hila because of the pregnancy and stuff. And they've fought before, like, with the siblings, and it's been really awkward, like, the, the couples fighting. Because Moses and Hila are sister and brother. Yeah. But, and they then Ethan and Trish work together. It's actually, like, a really toxic, it, potentially. No. Yeah, but even though they're not working together anymore, all four of them, like, they're always going to be in each other's lives. Right. Or they should be. And if- so right before this, like, people were, like, there were so many TikToks, like, glamorizing, like, how, you know, Trish is in the best place of her life. Like, she struggles a lot with mental health. She was dating Jason Nash. Yes. And she was, the, her and Ethan were the one who blew that whole, like, Dom, David Dobrik skin. Like, they started that. Like, they really did. So it was, like, a really influential podcast. And now, I just don't know where we go from here. A lot of people are saying that, like, Trisha, like, always fake quits. Like, she'll be back. But it, she made a, vi- sorry, they made a video, and it seems very real. And the frenemies, people are, like, so upset. Trisha was trending all day on Twitter yesterday. Yeah, that is upsetting because if you love a podcast and then it ends like people would be devastated if the toast ended. oh my god and especially like in the ch- in the in a day like you know these weren't I mean I'm sure there were forces that were at play for a while but just to have one bad episode and one disagreement and then to make the decision in 24 hours and then make it so publicly you can't come really come back from that no, it was very I mean, erratic of I Trisha. Like if anyone could it would be Trisha yes that's so her so a lot of people aren't but worried. this story is so big now I've seen it everywhere I don't know how you put the toothpaste back in, in the, the bottle tube. well so Ethan is actually very good about like dealing with Trisha because she is you know her own their own celebrity you know and they've kind of like stormed off the show before and Ethan like handles Trisha perfectly so 
they actually, I could see them like literally sitting down for another episode and pretending like nothing happened. Like that's like, they can do that. I don't, maybe in the past, but I think that this particular story has reached a level that they couldn't just pretend like it didn't happen, but maybe they could have a rapprochement this on camera. Even, this isn't even the worst fight. Like literally they had a fight like a month ago that went viral. Um, and Trisha called Ethan's wife, Hila, like a bitch. Like it was, it was a family fight. Like that's the worst type of fight to have publicly like airing your dirty laundry. I think that fight was worse than this one about money. Yes, but I didn't hear about that fight. Yeah, well, because... Trisha didn't actually quit after that fight. She just like stormed out. And then the next day she like apologized for what she said. Uh, sorry, for what they said. Interesting. Well, as always, I really hope that they can work it out because I hate to see a successful podcasting duo go under. I hate to see it. Devastating. I think that everyone, and they should have like, they should renegotiate their terms. Yeah. And everyone should feel good about what they're doing. But I but feel I think like the setup think, that no, they have is pretty fair. I completely agree. Sounds as fair as fair gets to Tr me. Trisha's but hired as talent. Like the studio, I believe, is in Ethan's house, but they bought a studio in downtown LA. Like, no, no, it seems fair to me. They produce other podcasts besides Frenemies, but by Trisha the way. doesn't think that it's fair. So let's go back to the table and find a deal that works for everyone. Like, I'm sure Ethan really, and I saw his tweet, he really wanted to make this work. Yeah. That's I don't know. What I, feel he tweeted, like, right? I feel like the deal is fair. Yes, I agree. And it, like you sign but a contract. But Trisha doesn't. I think she might be being unreasonable. They might be being unreasonable. I agree. But if you want the show, you got, that's what, what you get when you hire talent. You get talent attitude. Yeah. That's true. So if they want to make it work, you got to get back to the table. But Trisha might much, be coming back. We don't know. Too much might have happened. Also, you say Trisha might be coming back, but that's only because like you're hoping she... They come back. No, I think that, like, this is just, like, Trisha behavior. She's just kind of like, um, like, this is so Trisha, you know? Like, <laughs> I actually feel like we could see Trisha come back 100%. Like, I, I really would not be surprised. They, okay. fought, they have fought worse, like, I'm telling After you. After everything that you've shared with me about the success of the podcast, and it sounds so great, I really hope that they come back and all of them are able to make it work. Me too, of course. Like, it was a beautiful... It was a beautiful thing for so long, like when the podcast was going well and their, you know, partners are siblings. Like it was great. They were a family. Yeah. What category is the podcast in? I don't know why. Probably I, comedy. I just like to know, you know, where fellow podcasts I believe it's big, out. like really big on YouTube and, and like, like um, performs like decently as a podcast, but they get dressed up in like Beetlejuice. They look insane. Like they're in that, they're having this fight and Ethan is literally wearing like goblin face paint. And Trisha is dressed, I don't know what her costume was, what their costume was supposed to be, but it was like a lady who lunch, I don't know. It was insane. And that's like the production value is very high and it's so funny, but I don't know. Interesting. Okay, well, we'll keep you posted and Claudia will continue to explain it all. Yes, constantly. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Are you ready for our next story? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ready. I really feel kept abreast. Is it the next story um, that's brought to you by IP Vanish? Yes, it is. Tell them, Claude. Oh my god, because you know I was feeling a little like remiss. You know, maybe like slightly devastated, even heartbroken, mm -hmm. if I didn't let everyone know that today's show was sponsored by IP Vanish. What is IP Vanish? A virtual private network, a VPN for short. A VPN is a super important tool that helps you safely browse the internet. 
You can use a VPN on your computer, tablet, phone, even things like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use a VPN, all your data is encrypted. What you're reading, what you're searching, what you're watching, whatever it is that you're doing. That's important because you're doing what you're doing on the internet is absolutely nobody else's business, like even if you're just watching The Toast or Frenemies. IP Vanish helps you remain anonymous and secure on the internet. For listeners of our show, IP Vanish is offering an incredible 65% off, just $3.49 for the first month or $31.49 for the year. Here's everything you get with IP Vanish. Anonymous IP addresses. You can circumvent any online censorship. You can get protection when using public Wi-Fi and 24-7 support. Email with them, chat with them, even call them. They're always there to help. So go to IPVanish.com slash toast and claim your 65% savings. They have plans starting at just $3.49 or $31.49 for the whole year. Now is the time to sign up because with our discount and their current promotional offerings, you can get a VPN for 65% off their usual offering. IP Vanish is the best of the best, rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot with more than 6,000 reviews. So again, that's IPVanish.com slash toast to get the deal and start protecting yourself online. Love it. Thank you for that. Our next story, Tiana Taylor is the first black woman to be named Maxim's Sexiest Woman Alive. Tiana Taylor is making history with her latest magazine cover. On Monday, the 30-year-old entertainer was crowned Maxim's Sexiest Woman Alive, topping the title's Hot 100 list for 2021. Taylor covers the issue in a hacked-off Hanes tank top and vintage army pants showing off her six-pack abs. I saw Tiana Taylor wearing army pants and flip-flops, so I bought army pants and flip-flops. I mean, this is such a well-deserved award. Like, after... Um that Kanye West music video like she was literally like everyone's body goals mm -hmm. and she's a great selection for Maxim Hot 100 I did not know that they never had a black woman win which is like crazy um but this is fabulous I get like a little bit of PTSD when we talk about Maxim Hot 100 do you know why I do know why <laughs> I do know why and I will tell you since it is my fault <laughs> since I am the cause of it um, so when we were doing the breath, so that was probably four years ago, Maxim released their Hot 100 and their number one was Haley Baldwin at the time. And this was really before, you know, she popped off in the way that she has. She was like a guest model. Yeah, she, this was pre-Style Me Maeve, like pre-Bieber, pre Sean Mendes right. at the Met and Gala. she was just like another celebrity spawn who was naturally good looking and, and like, naturally thin rich and yeah and so i said that i felt kind of like met about the cover mm -hmm. whatever you were into it you thought it was yes, a good choice i've always loved also, this was also before the met gala where she wore that pink alexander wang dress that really changed everything for me about her and it did chase kind of like the frontier of fashion yeah and like with the little thong poking out like so after cute. i did a 180 on uh, not that i had so far to come with her i just was like pretty mad like, like a 90 not a 180 yeah yeah, yeah. i just turned a little bit <laughs> just like looked over your shoulder Anyways, so I was pretty men, you know, we used to post about stories that we shared on the show and we would post them to our Instagram and in a rookie mistake. Jackie posted it I on posted me. that she was Maxim's Hot 100 and I, and the breath felt meh about it and I tagged her. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a weird fucking thing to do. Yep. And then she commented and she was like, well, good thing you don't pick the cover. Well, good thing it's not up to you. And I was like. Oh, yeah. I saw it and I, I wanted to kill you. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, we get one comment from Haley Bieber. Like, one. That's the one. And that's why. And, and you know what? That's why it's so good that we rebranded. Because if she ever comes across our page again, she won't realize she won't that we're the, the ones who felt met. And I just want to say, like, I have, I feel completely different about Haley Bieber than 
than I used to feel. She won't recognize us. She's really us. set herself apart. She won't recognize us. Like, I have a new chin. You have I, new eyebrows. Like, we're, I, we're two different girls than we were on the breath. I used to have a bob, and now I have the longest hair on earth. Oh, like, by the way, we are truly irrecognizable. <laughs> because we're running from that. I'm running from myself. Like, as much as I actually loved doing the morning breath, like, we had, we had such funny times. Like, we had such good shows. Like, it was really, like, really fun to do. Like, I actually can't even, like, look at some of the clips or the episodes, because, like, I was so ugly not only ugly I gave no fucks about the way that I looked like I rolled out of bed I didn't like run an iron through my hair like I just did natural hair big thick fucking eyeliner that was like so uneven the same jeans every day dirty dirty jeans jeans, which I stand by that decision this big mole on my face like I just like had no regard for how I looked and presented myself and as much as I like look back on that and I'm like so ashamed I'm also jealous of like the freedom I probably had like I sit here and I do my best to like be hysterical but also like look like the best that I possibly can like I'm always touching my hair I'm fixing on my lipstick it's exhausting and like that girl was so free like she didn't give a flying fuck what she looked like yeah but also in your defense now back then we had touch-ups we had hair and makeup touch-ups so you could roll out of bed and someone was gonna like make you look kempt yeah but they didn't but they did like I feel like I feel like they did. I, you, moral of the story, you would have looked worse. 100%. 100%. So, um, yeah, those were good times, but I agree. And it's just, like, so interesting to watch the clips, like, my hair is so no, short, we're my so, eyebrows we're are so, so different. Light. We're so different. And you would think, like, I actually look so different. And I really don't do, like, a, a ton of plastic surgery. Like, I get, like, literally once a year Botox in my forehead. That does not change the way you look. And a little bit of lip filler. Like... I did get also get my chin done. The chin changed everything. The chin changed everything. And the lips, like, thank God. You know what? When I first got lip filler, I was like, this is so unnecessary, but I just want to be like Sheena. Like, you know, I just want to be like a cool Instagrammer, like blogger, reality star. And I really didn't think that I needed it, but it was like like a fun thing to do. And now when I go through my time hop and I see those curly little lips, like when I smile, like that top one used to curl up. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm so grateful no, like, that I did this. Actually, like, you didn't need lips like for Instagram. You needed them to balance to out smile. your face. Yeah. No, and like, I guess maybe that's like kind of what's toxic about plastic surgery because it never bothered me before. Like I never looked at my lips and was like, they're too small. But now I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I used to leave those house with those little tiny little thin little fucking curly ass lips. Yeah. That is probably what's toxic about plastic surgery. But aren't you better? Glad you look better. Hunter for that. Yeah. Thinking maybe I'll get a little more. Anyways, moral of the story is Haley Baldwin Bieber, like, you have totally proven me wrong. You are anything but meh. And the moral of the story is that, like, I just want to, like, distance myself from you. Like, I have been, like, obsessed since the day I met her. Um, And I just don't want, like, your, like, you know, Haley Baldwin drama, like, to ooze on me. Like, yeah, no, but it's not my drama anymore. Like, it's the breaths. Oh, are you, are you letting go of the drama? (laughs) No, no, no. Like, I left it at the breath. Okay, because I still have trauma. The, how we got here is we're talking about Maxim Hot 100. Yes. Like, I still have trauma tied to it. So I think we need to, like, just kind of collectively let we that trauma go. Co- collectively let it go. It's so important. Like, if that's what you're holding on to, I can't imagine the other things that you're holding on to in your life. Have we met? Like, I'm literally, like, I only remember all the worst things that have ever happened to me. Like, sometimes I forget, like, I bartended on Watch Happens Live because there's no room in my brain for, like, the fun things I've done or the things I've accomplished. Only, like, the weird things I've said at parties and the times, like, I've gotten in trouble on Instagram. You know? Like, that lives yeah. in my mind rent free. A hundred percent. I wanted to go and find like who were like last year's Maxim Hot 100 and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, if Are you interested in that? Yeah, I'm always interested in it. I always just feel like Megan Fox wins like every year. I can't, ex- she's so Maxim. Oh, do you? Also about Tayana Taylor, I just want to say like obsessed and she is married to Iman Shumper. Yes. Who used to play on the Knicks. Like I don't know what he plays for anymore, but um, I just like stand them as a couple. I, I have a, a ship in the port. It's pretty big. 
Totally. Okay, so I don't know if they had one for 2020, but 2019 was Olivia Culpo. Okay. 2018 was Kate Upton. Obsessed. 2017 was Haley Baldwin. Just skip over that one. 2016 was Stella Maxwell. Remember when she was everywhere? What happened to her? She I was dating Miley. Like... And she was in that song that played all the time. What song? Got a Stella Maxwell right beside me. Oh. That lyric. I don't know that one. You guys know it. You know if you heard it. Yeah, for sure. Candace Swanpole, 20... Oh, wait, 2015, Taylor Swift. Were you aware of this? Wait, what? Is there like a sexy pick of her? She doesn't do that. Um... For sure, there is. Let me see. I have to go and get it. Uh, wow, you truly learn something new every day about your favorite icons. You really do. 2014, Candace Swanpole. 2013, Miley Cyrus. 2012, Bar Raffaele. Oh my God. I love Bar Raffaele. What happened to her? Is she in jail? She had like tax issues. Yeah, but I think they like let her go. I don't know. It was Remember not- when she dated Leo? She was like the hottest thing for like a couple of years. Yeah. And I mean, in 2012, she was the number one. She was hot. literally the hottest thing. She was thing. the number one hot. Can you find the Taylor Swift photo? I'm yes. just like genuinely curious. Yes. And then 2011 was Rosie Huntington Whiteley. Did I say that right? I'm typing yeah. and reading at the same time. Yeah. You d- I think oh, I think I actually know which one it is. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's like so editorial. Like Maxim usually has like big titties and stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's so not Taylor Swift, and I love that she made it her own. Like obsessed. Obsessed. Twenty ten, Katy Perry. Tw- Two thousand and nine, Olivia Wilde. Two thousand and eight, Marissa Miller. Two thousand and seven, Lindsay Lohan. Two thousand and six and two thousand and five, Eva Longoria. Deserved. Agreed. Speaking of. Um, Lindsay Lohan I she's saw. like gearing up for some sort of comeback she's in like a Netflix movie and she did this like stunning photo, photo shoot. shoot for some magazine interview I think obsessed like I'm here for the Lindsay Lohan return to glory agreed 2004 Jessica Simpson this is okay. such an interesting list it's just a moment in time I'm gonna just yeah, get to I'm like over it. 2003 Christina Aguilera 2002 Jennifer Garner 2001 Jessica Alba 2000 Estella Warren it definitely is like a symbolic of the culture like what was going on in pop culture for those years like the Jessica Alba Jessica Simpson years mm-hmm. the Jennifer Garner like I remember that I just want to say like Kim Kardashian's never been on the cover oh. never been number one I, I feel know. like now she like her brand is so different but like for so many years like she could have been she, that was literally her yeah that is weird that is weird okay well, are you ready for our next story? Yeah. Now that we've exhausted the hot 100. Yeah. Ariana Grande congratulates her brother Frankie on an engagement. Yeah. Love you both so, so much, she said. So I know you'll be so excited to talk about this because you love Frankie Grande. You're just the number one fan. <laughs> no, I'm not. Like, no, I know. Yeah, no. Just, I haven't given you, you the opportunity to talk smack about him in a while. Well, honestly... I do find him annoying, but it's Pride Month, so I'm not going to be, like, you know, like, obnoxious <laughs> to Frankie Grande. Yes, and this is some really happy news. Yes. The 27-year-old pop star congratulated her big brother, Frank- Frankie Grande, and his fiance Hale Leon, on their engagement, which was exclusively revealed by People on Tuesday. She said, the most beautiful, love you both so, so much. But the it's photos- cute that they're, like, getting married at the same time. Yes. That's sweet. That is sweet. The photos are really sweet. And we just love a little bit of love news. Yeah, we do. And we love, like, Ari always being so supportive of her brother, even when he's, like, thirsty. And honestly, like, people clown on, on Frankie Grande, like, myself included. But I, if I was Ariana Grande's brother or Would sister... Would you act any differently? Worse! Worse! So, like, we need to give Frankie Grande, like, a little room, like, a little grace. Like, he is doing what we would all do naturally. Like, you're gay and your sister is a gay icon? Like, how does one person, like, kind of... Congest, ingest, digest, internalize, all of that. Like, it's very chaotic, and Frankie Grande is just doing the best he can. No, I understand. And it's also like Frankie Grande, if he wasn't Ari's 
brother, like, would be her biggest fan. So, like, he's her biggest fan, like, gets to go to all these awards shows. Like, of course he's going to act out the way that he does. Like, he's having the time. He's just a fan. No, 100%. Like, he's the luckiest fan in the world. And I just think, like, we all need to operate in a world where, like, we're just a little bit more understanding of Frankie Grande's chaotic energy because it's, like, he's literally doing the best he can. And... (laughs) Just think of the circumstances, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure he's, like, tra- also trying to play it cool. Imagine uh, how much more he has to give. No, he's probably, like, when he goes to these award shows with Ari, like, there's probably so many things going through his mind. So, honestly, I'm making an official decree. Like, I'm going to operate in a world that's a little bit more forgiving of Frankie Grande. Like, I really am. That's I just feel so like, beautiful. I always see jokes about him, like, on TikTok and stuff. And I'm just gonna, like, especially jokes about, like, him doing Cycle. Like, I am going to... Give him a little break. Love that. How, what a beautiful story. Are you Thanks. ready for our fifth and final story? It's the final story. I'm surprised the podcast reviews don't say stop fucking singing that song. I don't think that they would because it's stunning. Oh, okay. I mean, I think it gives us the energy, the the boost that we need to to report the fifth and final story. Me as well. You know, because sometimes we lull. Do 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 do. Boom. Okay. Every time, I, sorry, not to harp on the song that's obviously <laughs> annoying people. Every time, I actually haven't seen one complain about it. Me neither. I actually did, I actually even saw one comment asking us to finish the, and like keep going and finish the entire song. But every time we do that song and I add my weird like, I'm literally Professor Ed Schneebly from School of Rock. 100%. Because like when, when, he, when he gets them all up in the front of the class for the first time and he's like, just go on the bass and he's like, on the drums, like that's literally me. 100%. I think that I need to reevaluate like who my idols are because Professor Ed Schneebly is 100% up there. No, I totally... The fake one, not the real one. Of course, the real one sucks. No, the real one sucks. And you know who you look like today? Sarah Silverman. She's, like, always dressed in that movie, like, uh, like very long dress. Like, oh, she's really? so proper. Well, look at me. <laughs> hey. <laughs> look, look at me. me. Another <laughs> Jack Black, Black reference. Also, not to go down a completely different rabbit hole, but I really feel like not enough time and respect is given to the acting career of Jack Black. Like... He's just like that funny guy, but like Shallow Hell is like a transformative fucking movie. School of Rock is so iconic. Like I just think he needs the holiday. The like, holiday. Also, whenever we like riff, I I get um, I feel like in the holiday, like do 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 do. Like no, that's he, like where I feel like I'm having like date, like I'm in the movie. I'm like do do do. So I just feel like this episode like was really integral for us to like put respect on Jack Black's name and Frankie Grande's name, and I feel really good about the work that we've done here today. Fifth and final story. A little book news. Mm. The Jonas Brothers are writing a memoir called Blood. 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 (laughs) Um, What's it from? It's from an old YouTube video, right? Yes, Blood. Blood. Um, (laughs) Thank you for reminding me. And I think that's why they called that I think the it's book, an homage. The book is an oral history of that YouTube video. Oh, how interesting. Wherein they also compared the 2013 breakup of the Jonas Brothers to a tsunami. So Joe Jonas shared a little expert from... <laughs> an expert? He shared an excerpt from Blood, Blood on his Instagram. <laughs> Are you okay? It's just so funny. <laughs> Blood. <laughs> you think that kid's going to be on the cover? 
on Instagram he shared where he recalled the intense emotions felt when he and his brothers, Nick and Kevin, decided to take a break from their band. Written from Joe's viewpoint, The Cake by the Ocean crooner compared... Which is just his book? No, I think it's by the three of them, but I'm, I'm assuming they go in and out of their own perspectives. I'm sure they copied the Lady Gang format. Jackie, I was literally about to say, like, I hope that they read the Lady Gang book because I feel like it's actually sometimes very chaotic to write a book with multiple people. Like, there's so many different perspectives, and sometimes they try to make it the same voice. The Lady Gang book was perfectly done, like, how to write a book from three different perspectives. So I really feel like they should work with Kelty, uh, Jack, and Becca. I totally agree. He said, the tsunami inside of me built until it broke and crashed through everything in its path. But sometimes things need to break down so they can be built up again on a stronger foundation. He said, Sounds as we, like a little corny. He says, as we grow through our lives, I know I'll always have my brothers as family, as friends, and, and as blood. blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says. Blood. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't need a Jonas Brothers book, but I'll gladly welcome it into my space. Does anyone else feel like they're trying to make as much money in the next, in the past three years as possible so they can like um, Two Amazon up? specials, two tours, a book, 100%. So they can like stop working again? No, I don't know if that's the point, but I do feel like they're constantly doing the most at all times. Like, And their music is really good, so I'm not mad at all I'm about it. I'm not mad about it. Their tour was unbelievable like one of the best shows I've been to I will definitely be going to the next one but I agree they're doing like a lot yeah I'm just curious what the strategy is I do feel like they're working really hard so that they can take time off maybe in a few years especially as they all have like young families um but that is the vibe that I'm getting like let's like just make the most money which I also understand because a lot of people like things have an expiration date and their comeback was so strong yeah and and it wasn't just like a reunion it was like no we're gonna do this again and the fanfare is just as it was in like 2007 so I uh, I can respect them get collecting all those checks. Me too, but I definitely got the same vibe from like all of their media. Like it's just a lot. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. And like a book honestly does not sound like a natural thing because Yes, they have a story to tell the breakup, but they literally did it in a two-part documentary. Like, oh, speaking of documentaries, I watched the Pink documentary. I did not finish it. It's so good. Did you know Pink is Jewish? Wow. She was like, oh, I feel so guilty. Well, I'm Jewish. That's all we have. And I'm like, wait, rewind. No, I didn't know that. You're Jewish? Like, I just didn't know that. Like, live for it. Um, It's such a good documentary. I'm only, like, halfway through. I just do wish there was more performances. It's really, it's not a concert DVD. Like, it's truly a documentary with, like, tiny pieces of performances in it interesting because I listened to the album from the documentary on Spotify so I thought it was a lot of live performances because maybe what, at the end there's more that's what I listened to I actually like used it as a soundtrack for a run it was really inspirational because she's also like talking and inspiring everyone around her and she did on tour I, I had I didn't see her on tour she did a, I don't know if it's a cover did she write that song shut your mouth and run me like a river it's, it's on the album oh, it's not her song it's a cover yeah she did it so well. Yeah. And it's just really interesting to see, um, first of all, that the dynamic between her and her husband, because of course it's, you know, very non-traditional. She's the breadwinner. He really, he's not like a stay-at-home dad, but he, when they're on tour, like takes the brunt of like the, the work while she's, you know, tour, while she's rehearsing and going to the stadium. And she tries to keep her kids involved as much as possible. Um, but like whatever you think of like Pink's life on the road, like that's not it. Like it's literally like motherhood and then she like runs away for two hours to do a concert and then comes back to motherhood. Like it's actually really crazy. I have a lot of respect for her. Being a mom is like her number one priority. Like she's such a mom. Like she's honestly a great mom. Very introspective. She's like, she just seems like a person who's been through like a lot of therapy and she's like really into her emotions. Um, but she likes that kid Willow 100 times better than I didn't even, well, I'm only halfway through, but like literally the other kids, like 
Might as well have not existed. But Willow's older. <coughs> oh my god, I'm joking. That's what I get. <laughs> That's what you get for saying. Yeah, no. She did explain how, like... <coughs> <laughs> yeah, you're choking on your words. God is smiting me, and I fully accept that. She did explain how, like, for the first five years of Willow's life, like, it was just her and Willow. You're not allowed to speak on the children then. No, I'm just trying to explain what she said. No, but that's, maybe that's a sign. No, but what she said was, like, for the first five years, it was just her and Willow, and then, like, this new baby came in, and a baby's like a narcissist. Like, a baby just lives in, that's, she said that, not me. Like, the baby lives in its own world, doesn't, like, think to be jealous of their older sister, whereas, like, Willow, who was, like, the center of the universe for five years, so that's why she puts so much energy into, like, Willow's well-being and self-worth. She's just really, like, worried about her kids like having high self-worth i understand that but i also feel like for whatever she's doing and the kids are running around like the older one is going to get to do more and be around more until the other kid whose name i literally don't know is it um sage you know that does sound right whatever okay cool, cool um it's really good you will like it like if you have respect for pink like you will just get more respect for oh my pink. god you guys my contemplate runneth over i think it's not pertinent like right now no i know but like i'm need to watch why women kill i need to watch pink documentary i need to watch summer house i need to watch bold type and i need to watch younger and that's only the things i can remember right now yeah i would say start with why women kill and summer house that's my plan okay that's my plan um and those were the past five stories, and oh, you yeah. needed to know them. Let's dive into our TV recap right before our interview with Kevin O'Leary. And our TV recap is brought to you by Manscaped, our go-to men's sorry, our go-to for men's below-the-waist grooming products. Manscaped has a new product. New product alert, new product alert. It's time to stop, drop, and order this brand new shaving kit that they just launched. Introducing introducing the Ultra Smooth Package, a specialized groin shaving kit to help your man buff, protect, and smooth his most sensitive areas. They have a new crop shaver, a crop exfoliator, and crop gel. The name of all their products is so funny, and they have such great branding. And then when the product comes, like, you will be shocked. It is literally some of the, be the best men's grooming products. Ben is obsessed with everything that I got for him. And it all came in this, like, sickening leather, um, like, very manly, like, like travel case. Yeah. Because um, I have so many pouches, and when we travel, like, I give pink ones to Ben just to, like, put all the shit in. But now Manscaped has literally the best one. Love that. Um, so Manscaped is the originators of the electric ball hair trimmer. They now have a razor and set for men to get, your tr get, you, get you trimmed from front to back. So they can stop using your razors. They can start using their own. Crop exfoliator is infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The crop exfoliator can help reduce the risk of ingrown hairs and delicate places. Sometimes men are just like so rough with their like body. Um, and Manscaped is taking care of men in your life. So yeah. it's a great gift for, a little weird for Father's Day, but why not? Well, if you're like, you could give it to Ben for Father's Day. He's Theo's dad. He's Theo's dad. Um, they also have a crop gel. So you can see where you're shaving with their unique clear shaving gel just for the groin. It's pretty remarkable with four essential oils it's like the spa treatment with every every time you shave and it smells super nice ladies this is the perfect gift to get for you and your man and men your balls will thank you it's time to get up close and personal with the best tools for the job the ultra smooth package from manscaped and you can get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code toast at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code toast at manscaped.com smooth it out fellas with manscaped she will thank you i have to say it's really like the best gift to get for your husband for an anniversary or your, your boyfriend it's probably the best thing I've ever gotten for Ben that he uses every single day no same she will thank you and he will thank you and if men are really hard to shop for like yes. especially when you need good gifts this is always this is such a good gift like keep 
a tab Keep in your tab. mind for when you need a gift. All right, The Real Housewives of New York was on last night, the second to last episode in the Hamptons, and it was like chaos. I can't believe we're still in the Hamptons. It's as if they're, they're like... drawing it out. No, they're like on Jersey Shore where they're just like in a house. It's a yeah. summer house. I mean, I guess it's better than like those shitty episodes we were getting in the city when like no one was in the same place. Yeah. So it's better, um, but it's so chaotic. Like the group is just... You know when you start to hang out with like people for too long like you get that annoying feeling with them like they're obviously having that feeling mm-hmm. I thought the the conversations in the beginning of the episode between Ebony and Luann I thought were pretty productive like I do think Luann is well-intentioned but like she was being like like Leah was screaming everyone was screaming no one was calling anyone angry and then Ebony and I think like Ebony really explained it in a way that Luann could digest because Luann has and actually Ebony said this perfectly Luann has such a big ego like in fights and stuff like she can't see anything but her wanting to be right so even though there was something more important happening with the conversation she's like well will you apologize to me it's like girl like it's not about that like let it yeah. go it, also the conversation that they had at that brunch like I, I couldn't even follow it like right. what were they saying I have no idea what point anyone like was trying to what make Luann was trying to make with education and Christianity and class and, like what she was trying to say she kept telling Ebony I didn't say this I didn't say that but what so what were you saying and honestly like the conversation was irrelevant and when Ebony was trying to explain like Luann I do think Luann ingested it but also she could not get over like well will you apologize to me for what you said about education like get over it like, yeah it's really not that deep. It's not that deep. And also, it was. it's not subjective. Like, she has more of an edu- a formal education. A hundred percent. And then the episode, like, kind of calmed down for a little bit. And then, like, really picked up at the end. And I really feel like there was a lot of interesting things going on with the Heather and Leah of it all. Yeah. And I'm feeling very conflicted because I actually really like Heather. She was giving me, like, such cringy vibes the whole episode. Like, and I think Ebony also said it perfectly, like, Heather does mean well. Like, I really don't think Heather... Like, I think Heather was trying to help everyone, was trying to smooth out the situation, was trying to be supportive to Ebony. But some of the shit she was saying, like, was really, like, um, cringe 101. And then when she came in and was like, you are so articulate, by the way. Like, that... That was... That was, that was like, a low point. That was yeah. really awkward. But I did... I So... I don't know what where Heather leaves the show, but I can understand how and why she got to it's that the point. Leah of it ever all. since she's come to the house, like really nobody wants her there, and she's really being nothing but like trying to be nice. positive, supportive, nice. And I feel like when she's you know jumping into the conversation and saying we just need to listen to each other, like she's really trying to help, and like no one else is taking that POV because everybody is like divided, divided. No, but you're right. Heather is like genuinely like a nice, I think like a nice person who means well and just wants everyone to like be happy. That can be annoying. A hundred percent. Especially when you're in a bad place like Leah is. And when but Leah, why does Leah just not like her to begin with? And then what Leah said about like Heather having to be the moral authority on everything, having to contribute to every conversation, like having to be right and know so much. Like I could also see how that could be annoying, but does not justify that reaction. No, Leah gave a perfect analysis of like why Heather can be annoying. Like she said, she has to be in every conversation and not only that she has to be like the expert on everything and it's annoying just like talk you don't have to be the expert on race you don't have to be an expert on the election it is a really annoying characteristic and I think Leah like read her personality perfectly but Leah's reaction was so unwarranted and I actually felt so bad for Heather like what a miserable fucking trip like and really all spearheaded by Leah and it's like what does Leah have against Heather like it's so bizarre and I think it's a combination of just Leah and Heather being like two different people and like Leah just not liking her. And then I also think Leah, Leah and Heather are so similar. Also Leah like being in a bad place. Yes, definitely. And I, again, I understand how it's annoying that Heather is the moral authority on everything, but she's a good person, well-intentioned, like literally hasn't said a rude thing to anyone, like constantly just trying to like 
be a team player. And so... If anything, she's annoying. But, like, she's not mean. No. She's not mean-spirited. No, she's not, that, like, and the way that Leah treated her, like, that's how you treat, like, an evil villain. Th- like, oh, don't leave me in the car with this. And I loved when Heather finally fought, like, stood up for herself and was like, oh, shut up, bitch. Like, we're just sitting in the car. And then she threw the flowers and stormed out. She's so irrational sometimes. You know, it's weird with Leah because I can't decide, like, if I think she's the most irrational person because sometimes she's just insane. And then sometimes she'll say something that is just, like, so poignant. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you are so clear-headed yeah which one is it I, I literally don't know get I think you a girl it's both. Can, get you a girl who can do both I think it's both and I also think like I don't know how she could have not gone on the trip but like to have to film it's not fair to the other ladies to she have should to, have left a while ago it's just not fair like to have this person who is so deeply mourning to also have to be a housewife but there's not enough women for her to just leave yeah it's weird it's weird but I loved her outfit her carry outfit uh, Oh, her carry outfit, the the pants. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, no, again, not for me, but Do I think it was thing. Sonia who said she's dressed as Leah. And speaking of Sonia, I think my favorite part of the episode and why like I'm a, like really liking Ebony so far is like she's being so kind to Sonia and literally it like made me realize like no one has ever been like outwardly like nice to Sonia. And when she like called her friend to set her up and she just keeps telling Sonia that she's worthy, I like I actually really believe like that Sonia needed to hear that. I agree. And I think it's so nice. And I'm like so surprised by like how I never realized how like all the women are like so mean to Sonia. Like Yeah, she they're just always putting her down. And like I think she's always even when someone is her friend and confidant on the show, like she's always the sidekick. Like she yes. nev- she's never the main character. That's like so true. She's such a main character. She's a star. I mean when she was like supporting Ebony and like talking about race, I was like, this girl like she was just being so everything of the sort. Yeah. And I think that like it's time. It's Sonia's time. It's Sonia's time. I agree. That was one of my favorite aspects of the episode. I love that Ebony like sees and when Sonia said like I feel seen, like I love that Ebony sees her. That was a beautiful moment on the beach. Like truly beautiful. stunning. Also, that activity of fishing and then like a little beachside lunch looked so fun. They're doing a good job with the planning on this particular trip. Like the Hamptons usually like they don't do anything, but I love this idea of a pageant. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't think Leah goes. I didn't see her in the preview. Yeah. She shouldn't. She She's shouldn't. miserable. She shouldn't. I, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I agree. Like, after this trip, Heather, I don't, don't believe films anymore. Like, why the fuck would she? Why the fuck would she? But and I'm, and I'm upset about it because I think that they didn't give her a chance. And I think that she is a nice person. I think she has potential. And I think she's a nice person, too. The podcast stuff is, like, annoying. But, like, who cares? Everyone talks shit. Like, that's not a real thing. Who cares? Like, I talk shit about literally everyone I know. Even people I, like, absolutely adore. Right. Doesn't mean I don't like you. I just, like, I'm... I'm I just had something to say. I'm just a bitch. Like... I, yeah normalize talking shit about people like that you like it's like really not a big deal yeah yeah i don't and, talk shit about you though oh thanks i don't talk shit about you liar um that's our show that is our show and you know what we're gonna end it because you need to go and listen to this interview with mr wonderful yes yeah, so a reminder that if you're listening as a podcast it is just coming up right after this it's also available on youtube he was in studio with us we did a wine tasting it's a really great video so if you can i would suggest heading over to youtube but both options are so premium and can't go wrong we loved having him it's such a fun interview you guys are gonna love it so check that out and the dear toaster segment that we usually do on wednesdays is gonna be tomorrow just so we can even things out a little bit you know 100 percent. we shall see you tomorrow have a great day guys bye, bye. Welcome back to The Morning Toast. We are so excited to be sitting down with someone we very much respect and talk about all the time here at The Morning Toast. It is Kevin O'Leary, also known as Mr. Wonderful. Thank you, Mr. Wonderful, for I'm being so here. I'm so happy to be here. This is, this is wonderful. It is it wonder, wonderful. It's wonderful, unwonderful. <laughs> yes. That's great. Um, can you tell us, you brought us a gift. You set up this entire little yep. 
moment. What is going on here? Well, today's a very special day in New York, and I haven't been to New York for over a year because of the whole COVID thing, but today my wine company is going public on NASDAQ through a SPAC. In other words, it got acquired into a public company. Oh. And that's a very big day for us. Um, We have been growing and growing and growing for seven years. Uh, We're now one of the largest wine companies in North America. And this is a you know big moment because we'll be making lots of announcements at four o'clock when I ring the closing bell. Wow! Any I, sneak peeks for us? Yeah, I'll tell you what. But let me just put on my um, very important elements when you're in the wine business. You know, <laughs> just a little je ne sais quoi. Oh! Right? And that this great. is my uh, test of vin. Let me explain what this is. This is when I'm in the cellar because I blend all the wines, or at least the O'Leary wines you're seeing. Um, we go into the oak caskets and we take a little siphon called the thief and put a little bit into here let it mix with the air taste it and then spit it out because if you do that for every barrel you're gonna get really wasted yeah so that's the whole idea so the test of envy has become the symbol of winemaking all hmm. around the world and there's very famous organizations like the Chevalier de Testavin. I love when you say that on Shark Tank. <laughs> you know, I'm a member of, and, and those, those of us who blend wines. Um, now, these two wines I brought to celebrate with, is my, these are my most award-winning wines and my biggest sellers. My Chardonnay, and, uh, it's, it's more of the Montrachet style, which is the French style of making Chardonnay. Very crisp, very light, less oak. And then my incredible Cabernet Sauvignon, which has won award after award after award. Wow. And even Andy, our cameraman, when he got, was proposed to his, his fiancée, he took all the insurance necessary, which was two glasses of this. Oh, my God. And she immediately said, yes, I'll marry you. That's what That's happened. That's so... Oh, wow. And you know what? Like, I feel like you've kind of made a mark for yourself in Shark Tank as the wine guy. And when I met you, I feel like a lot of people don't know this, but it's pretty common. You and your wife taught me that you can tell what kind of wine is in the bottle based on the shape of the bottle. Is that correct? You can. You can. This is the classic French Cabernet, and that's the classic Chardonnay. Now, what's happened in America, you know, the most popular wines today are the Cabernet Sauvignon Red and the Chardonnay. Chardonnay exploded when they started growing the grapes in California decades ago, and they started competing globally. And, and California Chards started kicking French Chards' butts a lot in international mm-hmm. contests where it's blind taste testing. So the wine industry, the American wine industry, particularly in Washington State, Sonoma Valley, Napa Valley, it's really a big business now. Mm-hmm. But there's an old joke about the wine business. If you want to become a millionaire in the wine business, start as a billionaire. Because <laughs> everybody blows their brains out. They, they make it a labor of love. I'm in it to make money. Yeah. And the only way you can make money in the wine business is have huge scale, be able to ship millions of cases, be able to fulfill Costco and Target, my right. own wines. And the new trend, which we've really blown up big, is 46 states allow you to ship directly to your customer. Remember, a case of wine weighs 39 pounds. Yeah. So if you get it direct, it's coming right to your door. And I have built that business up to being the largest direct consumer in the world, wow. at least in North America. I can't say the globe yet because I don't know what they're doing in China. Right. But yeah. I'll kick the Chinese butts too. <laughs> but and it's, it's, yeah, in COVID, I mean, direct to your home wine is everything. the answer. Yeah, and what happened was people didn't stop drinking wine during uh, COVID, but what really got crushed was our business to restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we replaced it with the direct-to-consumer and blew that business up even bigger. Yeah. And now people are saying, I don't want to you know, carry 12 bottles back from the store. Just no. ship me another case, Mr. Wonderful. Yeah. And I oblige. So <laughs> you, I think one of my favorite interesting facts about you is now you're conquering wine. You've very much made yourself the wine connoisseur. But 
What you don't get enough credit for is you were also the original inventor of a childhood staple of ours, the Oregon Trail. Yes, the Oregon Trail, Rita Rabbit, Where in the World's Carmen San Diego, all those titles. Ah. Yes, and that's how I came up. That was my first business was educational software. Um, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was it. And we used to develop all kinds of titles. Um, you know, Oregon Trail was an incredible product because it started in Minneapolis, I think Minnesota. And I may, I may have forgotten exactly which city, but I remember when we bought the title, we acquired it. I was blown away by how rich the storytelling was in it. Yes, your yeah. ox died a sedentary. Like, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah, and, you know, people would try and get through the brutal lifestyle of moving west in, in you know, in, the, in that time. But we invested a lot of money into it and made it one of the standards of 110,000 school buildings in America. Yes, and we, I, we were among those schools. Right, it's literally a cornerstone, like a staple of millennial, like, early education. I, like, have very fond memories of it. Yeah. Yeah. We sold that company for $4.2 billion. Very wow. nice. And I, I started with nothing in the basement, you know, sort of a garage thing. And the 10 of us that were founders, that was our big liquidity event. Yeah. And since then, I've made many mistakes, but also made a couple of good investments, too. So it was a really big, it was a big moment for us because we really had nothing. And mm -hmm. then boom. And I remember the day we went back in the office and I said to everybody, what are you going to do? We can all retire. And everybody said, I don't want to retire. Yeah. Let's keep going. So you entered the wine business as a billionaire. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> but, uh, but I've really learned a lot um, from the wine business. Most of the companies that I've made money with have been run by women hmm. uh, that I've invested in. And the wine business included. I remember um, when it started, it was actually a Shark Tank deal years and years ago called Zips Wine, yes. which was single serve wine. Oh, with I the, remember. Uh, with the remember lid. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You guys went back and forth, back and yes. forth. Yes, and it was one of the famous, first time a guy ever came back twice. Yes. And, but, but I'll tell you the story of that. The day after that aired, and I won the deal, um, I thought the place to get this into would be Costco. Yeah. And there's a very famous story about Costco. This woman named, a woman named Annette Alvarez, who started in Costco in Florida, in Miami, sweeping floors. She had such an incredible palate to taste wine that she quickly moved up the ranks to the regional buyer and then she became the national buyer and then the head buyer for the whole of Costco. Wow. Now what you have to know is Costco's the largest wine buyer in the world, hmm. period. No, nobody's bigger anywhere on earth, so they get everything. She had 12 buyers underneath her and it was also known that nobody could ever get to her. Every wine company in the world wanted to talk to her, but she just wouldn't take calls. <laughs> so after Shark Tank, I thought, I wonder if she's a Shark Tank fan. <laughs> and I've got a guy on my staff that goes into the dark net and knows how to get cell numbers. And so he got wow. her cell number for me, and I called it. And I left her a message saying, hey, it's Kevin Lear and Shark Tank. I have no idea if you uh, watch the show at all, but I have this product called Zips. I'd like to show it to you. 20 minutes later, the phone rings. It's Annette Alvarez. And she oh, says... Wow. You were rude to Barbara last night. Oh. I, went, I went, what? What does that have to do with anything? She said, no, we're not doing any business until you apologize to Barbara. Wow. I said, what did I do wrong? She said, you were rude to her. You cut her off. She was speaking. I said, that happens every day on Shark Tank. Yeah. Plus, you want to have less out of Barbara, not more. <laughs> Anyways, we made it work, and she said, look, I'll give you one hour, John Wayne Airport, this Saturday, and I want to meet your wife. Oh, wow. I want to know who would marry a guy like you. Right. I said, okay. And I said, Linda, we're going to John Wayne Airport. We're going to meet Annette Alvarez. And here's where it all starts. We meet her. We sit down with her. She says, Kevin, let me tell you something about the wine business. You don't know. If you want to make money in the wine business and not be one of these schmoes that just starts a little winery and says, oh, look, I got a winery. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to ship me 
150,000 cases in a day. Wow. And I said, Annette, I can't do that. She said, you can if you partner with Vintage Wine Estates, a guy named Pat Roney. You go cut a deal with him, you come back to me and watch what happens. And she was the woman who gave me the advice that turned this whole thing and blew it up and now we're going public today. Wow, wow. well congrats. She, yes, but I'm just telling you, listen to women sometimes. All the well, time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, so I, I, I shut up and listen a lot because that was great, great information. That's so interesting. And you know, cause it's very, you know, you see you on Shark Tank, it's such a big show. And I think a lot of people are on the misconception that that's all you do. You know, like you're a famous person now who made, you know, his billions on your educational company. And now you just are a famous person who does Shark Tank, but you're still very much active in a lot of companies, correct? Yeah, I have 35 plus portfolio companies across a wide range of activities, everything commercial kitchens, we do insecticides, we've got wireless charging companies, we make uh, a very famous gym equipment for condominiums here in New York. That business exploded during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, we have the wine business, obviously, and many, many, many others. Um, I, I will tell you something, each day there's a catastrophe in some part of my business you know, portfolio. Some, something horrible is happening, and at the same time, the phone rings and it's some euphoric outcome. Like somebody's buying another one of our businesses. Right. And it's just like a passion play every day. Yeah. You know, on one end, total shit. On the other side, <laughs> fantastic things. Yeah. And I've kind of gotten into the groove now and I say, well, okay, that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. You can't make everything work. And then every once in a while, boom. And yeah. so it hits. It hits big. Like, so how many, an estimate, how many companies do you think you've invested in from Shark Tank? Oh, it's got to be pro maybe over 100 by now. I've been doing this for 13 years. Yeah. And how many, an estimate, do you think you've made a pretty good return on? Well, what happens is, let me give you the ratio, because we've got all this data. In normal venture capital, when, when you, you know, go to Boston and talk or to Silicon Valley to a venture capital firm, they do 10 deals, and you look over eight years what happens. Two of them are absolutely wild successes. They, yeah. they make a 40, 50 times on their money. And then about four of them um, are living dead. They're still in business, but they're just... Barely getting by. Barely getting by, and unfortunately waste a lot of your time. And the rest go to zero. And so it's sort of, you know, 20% work in the real world. In Shark Tank, 50% work. And here's why. Here's the secret sauce. So 50% of our deals make money because... See how we're sitting here doing social media, and you, you reach out, and you've got millions of people listening to you? Your customer acquisition costs are very low. Yes. Right? We get 100 million eyeballs a year on Shark Tank through syndication in 23 countries. Wow. So when we put a product on Shark Tank, it's not uncommon to get all your money back in 24 hours. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly what happens. And so our customer acquisition costs are either zero or very low. So even a hmm. marginal company, a shitty company that can't acquire customers, gets this jolt yeah. of, of you know, free advertising for decades. Yeah. yeah. And boom. They just keep selling stuff. And we have all this stuff documented, the rise. So the whole thing about Shark Tank is getting on Shark Tank. Yeah. And if you can get a deal, then you get the updates, which are really powerful. Some companies I love get, the updates. And they beyond get the more tank. Sales beyond on the, the tank. We love. We but, love. But, you know, you get more sales on updates sometimes than you get on the main show. Huh. So you want to get a deal. That's the secret sauce to Shark Tank. Oh, That's so, that interesting. so interesting. What's your favorite category or type of product that comes into the tank when you're like, oh, I'm, I'm listening to this one? I love companies, you know, right across the board, cat every category included, that has already figured out social media and direct-to-consumer sales. 
and they know their customer acquisition cost. When they walk on that set and say, look, we don't sell retail, we sell direct to consumer, and here's our customer acquisition cost, here's the margins we make, all I'm doing then is pouring gasoline on the fire. If they're yeah. asking for a million bucks, I'm happy to give it to them. Yeah. Because what's going to happen is we're going to just blow that business up because they've solved all the problems already. Like the infrastructure's already there. Exactly. And the ones that I, those, those are the deals I tend to do. Anything run by a woman gets priority for me because I've made so much money with women. I'm just, you know, I'm biased in some ways. I shouldn't <laughs> be, but women tend to mitigate risk. You know that old expression, you want something done, give it to a busy mother. Yeah. Like they can keep a lot of stuff in the air in the at air. once and that's what you need in a small business. And also they're much more savvy on social. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And women are more likely to engage and share on social. So you want a woman speaking to them. And well, the same way you do it, you know, you, you connect with these you know, other people and they, they just want to hear what, what's next from you. Right. Well, companies that have figured that out have very, very powerful business models. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say is your most successful business investment from Shark Tank? Is it plated, even it, though that wasn't? It is. It's a New York City deal in some sense, right? It was started here by a couple of entrepreneurs. They came on the show. They had a ridiculous valuation. They didn't get a deal. A year later, they run into me in the street and say, hey, listen, we've been tenderized by the real world. Right. We're willing to cut a deal. And so we do it. We do a deal. And then That's they crazy. get back into the tank in a follow-up. And then one day we get a call from Albertsons right after Amazon bought Whole Foods and said, we need to buy a digital platform. Right. 340 million smackaroos. Wow. And the business was like 36 months old. That's so crazy. So those dudes rode into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. We love so many of the episodes where you have guest sharks. We learned so much from them. Who was your dream guest shark for the tank? Have they already been on? Well, no, no. My dream guest shark is Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> I love Me that too. guy. I love that I, guy. I love that guy, yeah. Well, we've had a lot of guest sharks. We've had all kinds of guest sharks. Um, so, some are better than others. Some, you know, what happens with Shark Tank, and this includes all the people that come and pitch, they, you know, 100,000 people apply, 340 get picked, 220 get taped, maybe 180 air. Wow. Okay, so... Here's what happens. You've been practicing for months. You know you're going to get on that carpet. Yeah. And dun, 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 you walk out the door. <laughs> the and music. You, even though you've practiced, now it's real. Yeah. 26 cameras rolling, jibs moving down, you know, steady cam all around you, and you freeze. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, sometimes it's painful. I have to say, like, at least for me, I can think of one episode in particular that will, for me, ever go down as the worst pitch ever. Um, and he actually went to your college. Yeah, he went I think to that's Colgate. why I remember him. He had that app that was like basically a map of the airport and it would help you like find restaurants. And, <laughs> and he I like, remember And that. he was like such a classic millennial, like needing validation. And then he went back and he was like crying in his mom's arms. Like it was just all so like funny. But he sucked. And no, and the app was like, he was going around to different airports and writing down like where there was no real like infrastructure. Like, do you have like memories or things that you like always will remember as being like funny or particularly like terrible? You know, I get in a lot of trouble for being the mean shark. I'm not the mean shark. I just tell the truth. Yeah. When it sucks, it sucks. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And it's very important that they know it sucks so that they don't do it again. Stop sucking. Yeah. Like try and come up with something better and then come back. We've, we've had people come back, but it's really a bad idea if it's going to go to zero and you take your family's mortgage down, you know? Yeah. It's just crazy. Well, yeah. you seem like you're very much on like the tough love side of things. Well, I'm just the truth. And if you can't deal with me, imagine the real world. What's yeah. going to do to you? Yeah. You're going to get fried. And so, that's my attitude. But, you know, I got to listen to Barbara <laughs> and I got to listen to Lori. Yeah. You know. But you seem like you love it. Like it's a great part of your job. Yeah. But they, you know, what they do is they say, well, look, I'm not going to invest in you 
this is Barb all the time, I'm not going to invest in you, but you keep doing what you're doing. And I look at her and say, what are you doing? <laughs> like, don't you have any morals? Right. <laughs> now, the scribbles. only reason Barbara gets to the Shark Tank set each year is I buy her a new brew. <laughs> you guys have such a great dynamic. I'm curious, is that for show? Or you guys act like that behind, like off screen too? You, you we, all have you know, a crazy we're, dynamic. We're like friends. We've been dealing with each other for over 10, 13 years. So we try and be cordial. I, you know, we, we, but we're competitors. Yeah. yeah. We're competing for deals. And, and we like each other and all that stuff. Um, Barbara's a great cook. When I'm in New York, I'll often go and have dinner with her. She's great. Uh, we're also incredibly busy. Like, yeah. I've, it's, I've never seen all the sharks get in a room during the off-season ever. Hmm. It's impossible to get them back together. Not we, even for a birthday some, party? Well, we can't. But everybody's so everywhere. And so the only date we know we're going to see each other all together is the first shoot date of Shark Tank when we just clear our schedules and we go do it. Right. Yeah. It's such a great show. It's become such like a, a part of like American culture and like business culture. And like business education. I think that especially for us that I think for so many people like everything we know about business like comes we know from, from Shark, Shark Tank. Tank. So no one thought that would happen. Um, certainly most people thought business would be boring. Yeah. That did not turn out to be the case. I remember the moment that it all changed. I'll never forget it. I think it was Boston Logan Airport. I've been doing Shark Tank for three years. No one knew anything about it. Nobody watched it. It was just, you know, the only people watching were two dogs and a cat. Right. That was about it. But all of a sudden, in year four, something happened. You know, it was, the, it was coming out of that really big financial crisis in 2008, and entrepreneurship started to be very hip, and Shark Tank caught on. And I was, I went to the, uh, I was with my wife and daughter at, at um, the airport and I went into the men's room and I you know was at the urinal doing my business and there's a guy to my right two over right and he kept looking at me and and I noticed he kept looking at me and he said are you that guy on Shark Tank I said yeah <laughs> yes. that's the first time it ever happened he said you're an asshole <laughs> and I said why would you say that he said last night on Shark Tank you took 51% of a startup that's outrageous business I, business I said hey it's my money I'll cry if I want to what yeah. are you talking about I said to him, listen, uh, a lot of people make deals in bathrooms, but not here today, my friend. I'm, right. I'm going to run my business the way I see I should. 100%. And he couldn't have known uh, that, that Linda and Savannah are out there. He goes outside, and I find out later that he said to Linda, that asshole Kevin O'Leary's in the men's room. Oh, didn't know it was your wife. No, and she said, I know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really an amazing show, and I feel like before Shark Tank, entrepreneur meant unemployed, and now it really means like it's, you've shaped a culture around the word and it's something people want to aspire to be and start their own businesses and I just love it. We do. We well, love the entrepreneurial spirit. Let's talk about spirit. what you've done here because you're the girl that's basically telling everybody you're unemployed. Right? Yeah. You're a comedian. Yeah. Um, which is erratic work yes. to say the best. Yes, yes, and yes. then you come in here you know, with your sister every day and you produce this which has actually been very successful for you. So you're, yes, you're unemployed, but you're making money. Right, it's a beautiful poetic irony of it all. Uh, it, it is, but I wonder how many millennials now, even Gen Zers, are going to look at your model, both of you, and say, I need to do that. Because I, you have control over your own destiny. Yes, I think we're living in a world where kids today want to grow up to be influencers, influencers podcasters. Because part of the job is to make it look easy, you know, take beautiful photos, filter everything. What a lot of people don't see is a lot of the job is boring 
paperwork like you would do at any other nine to five to job. But influencing is the one industry that's literal sole purpose is to make it look fabulous, make it look fun, make it look easy, make it look, you know, easy road to f money and fame. When in reality, it's actually a lot of work. And you, pod, we do a daily podcast, which is crazy because most people do weekly podcasts. And I can't count on my hand the number of podcasts that launch and never go past 10 episodes. Even producing one episode a week is incredible hard work. So it's just one of those things that looks super easy. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people want to do it. It looks like it's the, you know, the fast track to money and fame. When in reality, it's like actually the opposite. But it's more than that because, you know, if you ask millennials, eight out of 10 will say, I'm going to be an influencer. You can't just become an influencer. The market is really cruel that way. It, it, you have to have something about you. Maybe, you know, your story, the fact that you were a comic that, that gives the magnetism that creates an interest for other people. Most people don't have that. Yeah, and, well, it's and, so saturated right now. Well, like, it's not only saturated, breaking through, even if you have it, is next to impossible. Yeah. Yes. Getting your first million followers is really, really hard, let alone 100,000. Mm -hmm. And so you really can't get traction until you get scale. Yes. Yeah. And, and what I've learned, you know, dealing with all the influencers that I deal with and the stuff we do is that, unfortunately for some people, um, they don't realize early enough that people smell bullshit a mile away. Yes. And you, when you get canceled, you're canceled. Yeah. You're, you ain't coming back. Well, and we might beg, we to, beg differ. to differer. We keep I actually, whack them all. We wrote the book on cancellation and cancel culture, literally. And I actually disagree. I think we're living in a really interesting time right now where it's like a rubber band that's going to snap. I think that for a while it was that was the case. Like if you had even a stinch of scandal or controversy. What like, about all these people that got me tooed? Well, oh, that's yeah. different. Yeah, we try well, to separate we try to separate versus crimes. Yes. So we feel like cancel culture is this huge bubble where we're like always canceling people for saying bad things and doing bad things. But actually, the two of them are incredibly different. If you were me too, you are a criminal like that is separate we're talking about cancel culture you know you have tweets resurfaced from when you were in high school you make a joke that not everyone thinks is funny because you know we're living in overly sensitive times like that type of cancel culture is so toxic because first of all it leaves no room for growth okay roseanne barr Ooh. um i'll tell you why i bring that one up okay she changed forever the morality contracts in hollywood that i was subject to in subsequent contracts you know, the story, just so we bring it to viewers to understand here, and, and I want to hear your response because you're yeah. saying not necessarily, right? She did, she said something very off color. Yes. Very. That was her comedy 10 years ago. Yes. Okay. Um, the, the network that was sponsoring the number one show had 80 million, I think 68 million worth of upfront advertising. The CEO canceled it an hour and a half later, gave all the money back to the advertisers. Yeah canceled the show that's extreme yes because i do think her tweet was incredibly wrong and so offensive so where does it fit in your continuum i'm trying to press the, the so I, we like to say that every cancellation is not one size fits all i need to know all the details so well, you know that for detail. that for that roseanne thing like she was a however old she is like a 50 year old woman like saying something in present times that she really should not have said. Like, I don't, I actually think like her being removed from the show was the best thing for it. I don't know if the show needed to be canceled in its entirety. There were other people working on the show. 120, 120 people. 100, yeah. They brought it back in, in, in a different format and I think a lot of people got their jobs back. But And it's still on it, and it's it, successful. It, it, what, look, I'm not endorsing what she said, but I'm pointing out to you that these extremes on cancellation are really serious. Yes. And, yeah. and, and it has materially affected her ability to get back into her business. Yes. And so 
it was horrible what she did. Yeah, but so that there, was her comedy. Yeah, there has to be consequence. Like we live in a time, and I think we've all kind of come to the realization, we live in a time that's very different than the time that was 10 years ago. And we all need to adjust. And I think that if you're still saying certain things in this day and age, like there are consequences for what you say, but I don't think that people should be held to the same standard. You make a joke in 2010 and it resurfaces in 2021. That's not fair. We're living in different times. Well, then, then you're right in that case because I don't think you can be sexist or racist, period. Not now, not back then, not in the future. I don't think that's a good thing for anybody. And I think that's what got her in real trouble um, because she took something that maybe she thought could pass 10 years ago and tried it out today and then yeah. done. So you're the same, I assume. Comedy is a really interesting space. Well, and that's what I wanted to probe into. Right. So comedy, like most comedians have podcasts and comedy and podcasting couldn't be more different. Comedy is no holds bar. You it, people fight for the right to say whatever they want because it's a joke and you should be able to make a joke about anything. Whereas uh, podcasting comes from the digital space and the but, digital but space is so comedy, sensitive. There's many classic comics that are really, really on the edge. Dave Chappelle. On the edge on sexist, racist stuff. Like, can you do, you can't do that anymore. No. My I'm talking about comedy and the comedy yes, vertical. My Going personal, into a club and really laying it out there. My personal style of comedy is very specific and intentional. Like I do self-deprecating comedy. I make fun of myself because no one can be mad at you if you're making fun of yourself. You're not offending anyone. I'm literally just offending myself. Okay, so you think those comics have to change. They can't do their traditional routines anymore. I think comedy is like the last remaining corner of the earth where you can say crazy things, but I don't think it'll last long. It's already I mean, very you, touchy. You're saying you won't last long. Yeah, one won't one last long. Won't last it's long. still, I think, a, a, a frontier that's in question. I think people are sticking up for the right to joke about what you want to joke about. And then there are people who are like, we, you can't make jokes about that. And I think depending on the comedian or depending on the celebrity or influencer, when we say like you can be canceled and you can come back, you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. No corporation's gonna give you a job. Mm -hmm. No brand is gonna endorse you. Like you need to make Build the path your for yourself because the industry so you, and the world you, you that we live for, in is not so, going to give so you, you a second chance. So you are canceled in the sense you can't go into mainstream. You have to do it yourself. Yes. yes. And you need to find your audience and you like, you have to start from scratch. And then you build something that is impenetrable. You are in charge of your own destiny. No one can cancel you because you own your own show. You make all your own revenue. You make your own merch. Like you don't rely on any other company. To a, a larger company, and we're you know in these extremely sensitive times. Like that's corporate culture. Yeah. Yeah. A but I, I think this 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 model you've developed for yourselves actually proven it out is is very desirable for many people who want to control their own destiny. Yeah. I think you work harder than you would in a corporate environment. You have more risk in your life because you don't know what can happen. Mm -hmm. You have to put up your own money when you start it. And you also may make one mistake and get fried and have to start again. Yeah. Yeah. But the beautiful thing about the internet is that like it's just the wild west. So like, you can do anything you want and there's so many people on it like we've just kind of cycled through so many different stages of our business we're entering a new one every week like that's just you have to keep up with it and like you have to shed your old skin and just keep moving forward if you want to stay in this industry for a long time i think you do don't you of course you've bypassed all the traditional media like it used to be you'll never get on this network again you'll never get this you'll never get that and it was all controlled by hollywood agents and all that stuff and to a certain extent television still is that mm -hmm. way but you know, I have more followers now than 
most of the networks I'm on. Yeah. Right. And, and it's a strange phenomenon that, you know, I can reposition that content, modify it somewhat, and get to a brand new audience in a different way. Yeah. I'm not sure the model doesn't keep going in that direction. And that, you know, linear television uh, continues to decline as social, you know, this is kind of like social network itself. You yeah. know, every influencer, podcaster, whatever, becomes their own little media industry. And be, the bigger you get, you do almost have more reach. Think of like podcasting versus radio. Radio is, you know, huge. A lot of podcasts reach more people than traditional radio shows do. Podcasts used to be framed, you know, what I like to, I get invited on a lot of podcasts, including this one. And what I like to do is resist the temptation to go look at all the previous podcasts. I don't want to know anything about you when I show up here. I mean, I met you for a few hours, right, mm -hmm. on an island. I thought I was thoroughly entertained. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to go in fresh. Yeah. And then later, you know, if we start doing it over and over again, I kind of get the groove of where it is. But I've been much more successful doing that in terms of engaging and podcasts aren't just audio anymore. They're, they're video. Yeah. That's what a podcast is. It's just another television show. Yeah. Literally. And my attitude is it's much fresher when you go in cold. Yes, I agree. You know, I hate all the scripted stuff and everything else. I just did the Pomps podcast in Miami last week. We had a crazy amount of fun because mm -hmm. we said no questions pre, you know, set. Nothing. Yeah. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun. It's That's the way it should be. Definitely a refreshing format. You're not bound by those restraints of even cursing like something as simple as that right. or time constraints like you can really go or topic so long. matter who knows right. where yeah. you go right right exactly we went so from wine to roseanne bar yeah exactly but i think those are serious issues let's go back to wine because i want to taste i want to try i want to give you we're going to start with the um chardonnay even though it's not chilled but this shard just won its fifth gold award oh okay? wow now let me tell you something about the wine business just before we pour this um 97% of wine in America is sold for under $14.99 a bottle. Wow. Nobody knows that. Mm -hmm. That means 3%, which is virtually nothing, is, are those expensive wines. The challenge becomes, how do you make a wine that tastes like it's worth 60 that you can buy for 11 And I spent a lot of time on this because I wanted my return rates because I'm going direct to consumer to be less than 2%, which was my goal. They're significantly less than 1%. Wow. So... That means I have to kind of adapt to the palate. Most women drink Pinot Grigio and Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, they drink whites. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you need to work with a lot of women to sample, I'll blend it, mm -hmm. I'll try it on my wife, try it on her friends, then do some serious taste testing sampling to get the vibe from what a Miami woman says versus a California woman versus somebody in Champaign-Urbana to try and nail down, do I have it? Yeah. Because I've... I'm blending these wines. I'm adding little elements of other varietals to get that flavor. About five years ago, I hit it big when I, I, I started taking less. You know, when you put Chardonnay into an oak barrel, it, it gets buttery, oaky. And women were, were moving away from that. They were saying, give me something fresher. It's too heavy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I went in that direction, and then I started winning awards like crazy. Oh, I'm so excited to try this, because I'm usually not a huge Chardonnay fan, but I love Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Grigio Sancerre. But yeah. if you're saying this isn't like a buttery, heavy right. Chardonnay, I, this could be... So I took this be... way off in that direction, mm -hmm. which is actually classic Montrachet style, which is what the French do in the DRC region of France. So let's try this. And I How think... much is that bottle? 
This bottle uh, tonight, the reason I'm talking about it, uh, when we go public, we're going to do a giant sale on QVC. Normally, it would be $15.99. Tonight, it's going to be $11.12. $15.99 is still a great price. It's, but th we're going to sell. I did something remarkable a few weeks ago on QVC. In 20 hours, we sold $5.2 million worth of wine. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Did you work with Lori? No, I worked with Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, Chef great. Wonderful. I hear good things, yeah. <laughs> no, listen, you know, I, I'm the wine guy in QVC now because I think people trust me when I say I have your back. Yeah. I really know what I'm talking about. I would yeah. trust you, like, to choose a wine for me. Will uh, you also show us the right way to taste wine without looking like a fool? I absolutely Great will. Great question. <laughs> we, we, have these, we have these COVID glasses, which are fantastic. Yes. And normally you would... Never overfill a glass of wine. You have to leave enough space to the air to mix with the wine so you can swill it a little bit. Good to know. Now, it smells delightful. Yeah. Now let's do this because this should be chilled, but it's not because it came to the studio. Um, oh, you, now the nose, you should be picking up some apricot and apple here. Yeah. Right? the apple. Okay. So now take a little bit and just let it roll back on the back of your tongue. Stunning. Oh. Nectar from That's the nipple of Aphrodite. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that, really delicious. It's so good. It's fantastic. I, I mean, actually don't drink wine, but see it's that, delightful. See how crisp it is? It's not oversweet. It's towards what you liked in the dryness. Yes. Mm. This is a monster for me. This wine is my number one seller in wine. Really? Yeah. It's delightful. It is delightful. Stunning color as well. Yeah, it's beautiful. And so, you, you know, th this kind of wine would be fantastic with cheese. It would be great in the summertime. Terrific with chicken. Uh, people like to drink it. I always drink a glass of white at 4 o'clock when the market closes. And I have one, sometimes two. <laughs> and then I go to my reds. So we're going to go to red next. Okay. okay. Well, this was that Chardonnay so was good. stunning. Mm. And here. Sometimes you that can be a real really asshole good. and stick your pinky out like this when you're drinking. See that? Oh, yeah, because oh, yes. we're fancy Pinky's like that. Out. Exactly. And you, you know you're drinking with a dork when you do that. That's yes. Cool. Someone uncultured. Okay, now. And now this is a... Cabernet Sauvignon is known for being the big, spicy American red. You know, for, for, with meat and just a big, bold statement. And what you're looking for here is um, peppers and tannins and leather and you know, just, just richness. And you get this by blending it again. And so many people don't understand that to get the, the, the tail of the flavor, you have to... You know, maybe you sneak in 2% Pinot, or maybe you put in a Syrah, or, or something. You have to blend. You have to sit in the cellar for days with your test of vin <laughs> and try different stuff while not getting inebriated because you, you, start, you stop sensing the flavor. Mm -hmm. So most of the time I'm tasting wine and spitting it out. A spittoon. So here we go. Now this is going to have a huge nose. Also five different awards on this one. Oh wow. The red wine with the white carpet is yeah, so dangerous. Yeah, so I was just thinking pink and white and everything yeah, here. It's what fine. a disaster. It'll be a splash of tie-dye. You know. <laughs> When's the last time you did a wine tasting here? Never. 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 We've this never done it on the show. Okay, so here we go. It's good to start with the best. It can only go down from here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so again, smells lovely. We're, we really want to, you know, we definitely, yeah, I don't want to see that drop. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, this is going to have um, a peppery kind of spice to it. And the more, if you waited 10 minutes, it would even be more bold because mm. it's just aerating. This is going to be really good, I can okay. tell. Okay, let's go. Ready? Ooh. Oh, wow. Ichi <laughs> wabakaramba. 
That is fantastic. It's very good. That is. You know, never, I never drink red wine, I never but it's drink very red good. Wine Isn't either. that delicious? Yeah. Yes. People tell me all the time. I really that, taste the pepper. I, yeah, you see it. It's there. Yeah. And that took a long, long, many years. I've been doing this wine for seven different years, uh, different varietals, and started winning about four years ago when I started blending. But you know, you got to try new things in wine. And by the way, the health attributes of one glass of red a, a year a day, for every, all year long, works in longevity. Yes, it's good for say. your heart. Everything. And so it's you don't have to get pumping. drunk. You can just drink one glass of nine ounces of red wine a day and almost consider it medicine. You also could get drunk if you want. Well, that happens to me quite often. I'm trying <laughs> to avoid it. You know, Oops. All right, so where can everyone buy O'Leary Wines? On QVC, you're having a big sale. Well, there's two, what I've learned is, and this is the business side again, wine is three tiers of distribution. So I used to give all my profits to distributors. Then I learned how to sell direct when I got my social chops together. And I started small, but now I'm huge. So you can buy O'Leary Fine Wines at Shop Mr. Wonderful starting tonight at midnight. Wow. And we do our big sale, and that site's going to stay up forever. We're announcing it at the NASDAQ at 4. You're getting a sneak peek. Woohoo, this won't be up till tomorrow. Or anytime so. on QVC.com. Fabulous. We're the largest purveyor of wine, and we ship it to you directly. Wow. Okay, so 29K. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is great. A lot of people go on to the program where they get shipped a case every 60 days. Excuse me. They sit. They put it in a in a in a like a lay down kind of wine cellar box, and you stick it in the back of your closet, and boom, you got wine all the time. For forever, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's delicious. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. You can uh, keep up with Kevin, obviously on Shark Tank, on Instagram at Kevin O'Leary TV, on YouTube, and that's our show. Thank you so much for being I here. I really enjoyed it. One more sip, please. Cheers to us. That's great. Cheers. What to fun. Us. What fun. What fun. Cheers. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.